1: That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is W. Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message.
2: I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. If you're new here today, we're in a series of sermons called Audacious Faith, and we're going through the book of Joshua uh, we're preaching through the book. Today we come to chapter 6. Now, I shared this map with you, and it, it starts up in uh, Egypt, in the land of Goshen. And sometimes you really need to look at a map and look at the continent of Africa. Africa is a huge place. How many have ever been to Africa? You've actually ever been in Africa? It's an unbelievable place. But up in the upper left, right-hand corner is Egypt. And uh, that is the land of Goshen where Israel had been in bondage for 430 years. God raises up a man named Moses to deliver God's people. Ten times, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let God's people go. Nine times, Pharaoh says, no. But on the tenth and final ask, the tenth and final plague... Pharaoh says, okay, God's people can go. Well, God, through Moses, instead of leading them on the short route over there to Jerusalem or the land of Israel, God leads them down south, all the way down there by the Red Sea. And of course, the Red Sea is about eight miles across, which is about how far the San Fernando Valley is across. And you know, Moses raises his hand, the water splits, and they walk across on dry ground. And finally, Israel is free from the bondage of Egypt and Pharaoh. Amen, amen, amen. Well, then because of sin, disobedience, and unfaithfulness, they had to wander around the wilderness for 40 years. Another entire generation dies off. But finally, it's time. And that's what the book of Joshua is all about. It's about going into that promised land and receiving that which God has prepared. So when they come into the land of Israel, what we know today, they're on the eastern side. We go to the next map. We're on the eastern side of the River Jordan. And last week we looked at Joshua chapter 3, which is crossing the Jordan River at flood stage. Flood stage. And they got to get across this river. We talked about this last week. And if you were here, you remember that the priest. They have the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God, and they step into the raging, flooding waters of the Jordan. And unlike the Red Sea, where it splits, the Bible says, we looked at this last week, that 18 to 20 miles upstream, there's a town called Adam. And it was up there in Adam where the water stopped. And my buddy Louis Bookout texted me and he said, Dudley, It's easy to remember that because Adam is a dam. (laughs) That's his joke, not mine. But the water stopped up there in Adam. It dammed up. And as the priests were standing in the water, they had to wait until all that water flowed down. And then it was dry and Israel crossed over and now they're in the promised land. Amen? Today, I want to look at chapter 6. So inside your bulletin, there's some sermon notes. I want to talk to you on the subject of conquering Jericho. Joshua and the battle of Jericho. It's one of the oldest stories in the Bible. It took place nearly 4,000 years ago. Conquering Jericho is really a story of having victory against all odds. Now, I want you to write this down in your notes. Jericho is the gateway city to the promised land they're not going to be able to settle in the land if they can't defeat jericho now the problem is jericho is a fortified city i have a picture of what it could have looked like and uh, the group that's going to israel in a couple of months we actually go to jericho and you'll see the archaeology dig of these walls it was built on a hill And it had not just one wall, it had two walls. The first wall was about six feet thick. The second wall was a little higher, so if you got over that first wall, you had to climb up a hill to get over the second wall. The second wall is 12 feet thick. And if you remember, when we were talking about Rahab in chapter 2, Rahab, her house was inside the city walls. That, again, goes back to the wall being 6 feet and 12 feet thick. Now, if you and I were coming up with a plan to defeat such a city, the first thing that we would do is come up with the blueprints of the walls. We would maybe think about, maybe we better dig a tunnel underneath these walls. Maybe we would build up a ramp like the Romans figured out how to do. We would probably think of a, something more conventional than what God says to do, but God has his own way of doing things. I want you to write, we have three points. The first one is this, God delivering on his promise. God delivering on his promise. Joshua chapter 6, the first verse says, now Jericho, everybody say Jericho, Jericho. It says it was tightly. One more time. You're not supposed to say those words. It's very rude, very rude. No, the Bible says that Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. That word tightly or that phrase tightly shut up means that the entire city was barricaded. It's like down there in Florida when a hurricane approaches, for 2 weeks everyone is putting up plywood over their windows and doors, locking everything down because they know what's coming. And the citizens of Jericho, they knew what was coming. Because right outside their city gates, a city of about 2,000 inhabitants, they knew that there were 2 million hungry Hebrew slaves who had miraculously crossed over the Jordan River at flood stage and they were knocking on their door to possess their land. And they had heard all the stories of how God had delivered Israel from the armies of Pharaoh and how God was on the side of the Israelites and these stories of deliverance and power scared the living daylights out of the citizens living in Jericho the people inside Jericho were fearful and shaking they had done everything they could to secure and to lock their homes to lock their shops and their businesses and to protect their families and their children not a creature was stirring not even a mouse Tightly shut up means that they had taken every precaution to and every security measure possible to survive the coming attack from the Israelites. Verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua. It's very important. There's only two people here. There's the Lord and he's talking to one person. Who's he talking to? Joshua. And he says, Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men now the battle had not yet been fought yet god says i've already delivered jericho into your hands do you remember the three promises that god made to joshua in joshua chapter one promise number one god had told joshua joshua every place you put your foot down i'm going to give you that land The second promise was, no enemy can defeat you. And the third promise was, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So they get across the River Jordan, and the very first city they come to, the first enemy, is a fortified city with not just one wall. It's got two walls, and it seems impossible. And the Israelites, they look up, and they see that double-walled city and the israelites are thinking we got a problem and god says what problem i've already taken care of it before one block of these walls fall god says i've already taken care of this yes the city's fortified yes the city's double-walled yes the, the city is tightly shut up but victory is assured jericho is yours it's already been delivered to you some of you right now right now are facing impossible situations some of you feel as though you are in a hopeless situation and i want you to know that god has you here today to hear these words that victory is already yours the same promises that god made to israel he has made to you as a believer nothing can defeat you as a believer you need to know that god will never leave you and he will never forsake you the bible says over and over again such as hebrews thirteen fifteen: never will i leave you and never will i forsake you victory is assured now number two We want to delve in to this plan, but it's a specific plan. God has a plan. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a plan. God always has a plan. The problem is his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So sometimes when we're looking at God's plan, we're looking at it like, oh, I'm not so sure about this. And if you actually study this plan, study it, it's easy to laugh at it because it doesn't make any sense. Remember, Joshua is a military expert. He was the general patent of his day. Try not to laugh when you read what God says to him about how we're going to defeat this city. Verse 3. He says to Joshua... I want you to march around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. You see, usually in military terms, you want to do a surprise attack. You want to catch them off guard. You know, you attack unannounced, usually in the middle of the night. But with God, it's just the opposite. He says, I want you to get up and march around those walls. Let them see you in the middle of the day. And do that for six days. I guarantee you, I wasn't there, but Joshua was scratching his head. Verse 4. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns out in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around the city seven times with the priest blowing the trumpets verse five when you hear them sound that long blast on those trumpets have all the people give a loud what shout and god says try not to laugh then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up every man straight in and joshua says lord let me get this straight You don't want us to dig a tunnel underneath the walls. No. You don't want us to build up a ramp so we can climb over. No. You don't want us to shoot some fiery arrows over the walls. No. You want us to get up and march around the walls, do it one time, go back to base camp, do that for six days, and on the seventh day, you want us to go seven laps, and on the seventh lap, you want us to shout, and the walls are going to come down, and God says, that's exactly what I want you to do. Write this down. Humanly speaking, it made zero sense. And the point is, God's ways, again, are not our ways. This year, we're trying to get you to go back and live your life by faith. We used to live in faith. Then we went through like two years where we were living in fear. Then we kind of got lazy. We're trying to get you to go back living by faith. And if you want to see victory, if you want to see victory in your finances, if you want to see victory in your family, if you want to see victory in your friendships, if you want to see victory in your love life, if you want to see victory where you work, you need to do things according to God's way. You've already been trying to do them your way. How's that working out for you? Give give God's plan a chance. Even if it doesn't make sense, do what God asks you to do. Now, here's the question. Why would God tell Joshua that this is the way we're going to defeat this city? God could have snapped his fingers and those walls could have collapsed. God could have spoken and an earthquake could have brought down those walls. I'm sure some of that wall was made out of mud bricks. God could have sent a torrential rainfall to have those walls come down. But no, his plan was to march around those walls. Now, there's three reasons. I think, number one, just to confuse the enemy, just to kind of keep them guessing. Maybe to lull them to sleep. I don't know. But number two, and I want to park here for just a minute. The main reason is he wanted to test Joshua's faith. In the first five verses... It's just God talking to Joshua because God wants to see if Joshua would actually follow the Word of God or to see if Joshua is going to adjust the plans to make it more palpable. This was a test to see if Joshua would take God at His Word even if it doesn't make sense. You know what we're good at? We are good at reading the Bible and adjusting it so that we can basically do what we want to do instead of actually following the Word of God. I want to give this to you just in case it's been a while since you've seen them, the Ten Commandments. There they are, Exodus chapter 20. The Israelites had received these commandments when soon as they crossed over the Red Sea, There was Mount Sinai and Moses went up on the mountain and received the Ten Commandments. These commandments were inside that Ark of the Covenant. And as you look through this list, most of you know these commandments. And I don't know if you know this or not, but every law in this country, the United States of America, is based on these ten rules. And every one of them. We know it, but we kind of twist it around so we can kind of do what we want. Like, the first one is, no other gods. And don't make any other graven image and worship any other. God's saying, I'm number one. And we go, yeah, God, you're number one. You're up there at the top. But we worship money. Some of you are acqu- trying to acquire fame. Some of you, some of you, it's just pleasure. But mostly it's all about ourself. I know God's, I know, I know God's number one. And if you ask me, I would tell you, yeah, God's the most important thing in my life. But everything we do is centered around self. We really have taken God off the throne and we put ourselves on the throne. Commandment number three, don't misuse God's name. You cannot go to a restaurant in Los Angeles. Pick any restaurant, go sit down, and just listen. You'll hear hear curse words through the entire meal from other customers. Walk down the hallway of any high school, and you'll hear the young people every other word's a curse word. You say, well, my child doesn't curse. You haven't been to your kids' school. Go to a Lakers game. Go to a Dodgers game with your family. And half the game, you're just going to hear people swearing. Church parking lot. <laughs> Number four, keep, the, keep holy the Sabbath day. How many people were the... Sabbath is truly holy. I believe that the traffic on Sunday morning on the freeways, it should be more crowded than Monday morning freeway traffic. Why? Not everybody should be going to work, but everybody should be going to church.
1: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. Four seven seven seven. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We know as Christians, our relationship with Jesus is a daily commitment and not just something we do on the weekends. We believe we have the perfect gift today to help you maintain your daily connection to our Lord for the coming year. Romancing Royalty is a daily devotional book designed to draw you closer to King Jesus with 365 inspirational stories, scriptures, prayers, study questions, and even a place to journal. There are more than 100 contributors to this book, including Greg Glory, the late John Wooden, Tony Campolo, Jack Hayford, Raul Rees, and Jim Garlow, just to name a few we know this daily devotional will be a blessing to you. It also makes the perfect holiday gift for a friend or loved one. Pastor Dudley's top-selling daily devotional, Romancing Royalty, is available right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Romancing Royalty can be yours by calling our toll-free number 888-818-4777 Our number again is 888-818-4777 You can also order Romancing Royalty directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. We know there are many daily devotionals available today, but none come close to the level of insightful contributors to this book. It's our most popular seller this time of year. So we invite you to call and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's daily devotional, Romancing Royalty, today.
3: If you've experienced a pregnancy or neonatal loss that has you feeling hopeless, angry, or confused, you are not alone. Losing a baby leaves behind a pain that is often hard for others to understand. That's why we want you to know about In Loving Arms. In Loving Arms is a six-week support group that helps hurting moms and dads come together to find comfort and healing. You'll explore tough questions, and hear testimonies from those who have found healing after their loss. You'll hear from other moms and dads just like you as they share honestly and candidly about their own experience of loss. Together with others who understand exactly what you're going through, you can begin to heal and you won't be alone. To learn more, visit jakesjourney.org or simply call Shepherd Church at 818-831-9333 and we'll guide you from there. That's jakesjourney.org or call us at 818-831-9333 to learn more.
1: I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.